Hi there and welcome to another edition of The Horse's Mouth. You're in The Horse's Mouth and my name is John Teague. Well, today I had the good fortune of speaking with Joy Clark. Now, for those of you that don't know who Joy Clark is, um, I'll paint a little picture for you. Joy Clark is just such a nice human. Um, It took me ages to, to sort of get I'd been angling to try and get joy into the horse's mouth for so long and you know there was a myriad of of things going on she's a little bit cagey um about who she talks to these days and for good reason and um and then COVID and and you know joy didn't know me from a bar of soap and yet today she was so kindly um invited me to her house gave me her time um we did a podcast she made me some lunch and then she took me to the scene of the crime now this podcast hinges on something that happened in 1966 in Westall um Melbourne Australia now in 1966 in Westall if you just google that just type in uh, just type, type in Melbourne UFO and this will be the first thing that comes up. And I didn't know anything about this until um, a couple of years ago. And it's the largest group sighting of a UFO in Australian history. 200 people, uh, students and teachers witnessed uh, an event that happened for over 20 minutes. Now, it's it's wild. Now, if you, if you want to get a little bit more deeper into this, if you type in Melbourne UFO and then go to videos and look at the interview that happens um, there, it, it gives you a really good picture. But anyway, nonetheless, Joy was so kind to take me to the school where she went to school, where she grew up, and showed me and walked me through the events that happened uh, as she describes them in this podcast. And uh, I just had a really good time hanging out and talking to Joy uh, you know, um, we spoke about all sorts of stuff uh, throughout the day, um, life happenings and philosophies and, and you know, a, a lot has happened to, to Joy in her life outside of this one event. Um, so, you know, look, I won't um, go on too much, but uh, Joy, thank you so much if you're out there and... Um, I hope you enjoy my chat with Joy. Now, while I'm rabbiting, I may as well just say, uh, this is a warning, okay? Uh, and I'm going to throw myself under the bus here a little bit, uh, you know, um, just use myself as a, as, a, as a guinea pig. For those of you that are single out there and you're on the Tinders and, the, uh, and all the dating apps, and I say the Tinders like I'm an old, I'm getting on, you know, like, uh, but if you, and, and you go like, so then my auntie, and I, it's the same thing, and I just sound like I changed gears, but I didn't. My auntie says to me a while ago, oh, you can't be kidding me. You're on Tinder and all that shit. Oh, my God. If you're serious about wanting a girlfriend, you get on something like eHarmony where you pay, where there's serious people who are looking for serious relationships who, who aren't flaky. And and that planted a little seed in my mind, right? And Because I, I was always like, you know... <laughs> Maybe I'm one of the flaky people on Tinder. Who knows? And uh, but you know, um, you, you have your moments. And I was like, 
a little while ago, I was like, yeah, okay, cool. Um, I think I'm, 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 I'm ready to step it up and have a look at this eHarmony and see, you know, maybe there's the, some, some cachet of people in the eHarmony world that don't go near um, Bumble and Tinder and they're above it, you know? And I'm like, well, that's for me, you know? I'm looking for that A grade. And so so one night uh i i have a look and it's like yeah you've got to sign up you got to pay some money um you got to pay quite a bit of money you got to actually subscribe to six months or some shit to look uh in like they let you sign up but all the faces are like roboted out you know you can't see any faces it's like um to unlock who was in there you have to pay and to pay you have to pay for six months and at a moment of weakness, a moment of weakness, I paid, I paid, I signed up. And I instantly went, oh, that was a mistake. And I knew it. And I went in and I went looking and I was just like, it's all the same people. I'm just giving you a, if you're out there and you're wondering about it, don't do it. It's all the same people that are on the other apps anyway. And save yourself, I don't know how much money, 150 bucks or whatever it is. Keep it in your pocket. Um, because no matter what you do or say to try and get out of it, they won't let you. There's no cooling off period like there is in the States. And I wrote them an email and I thought a pretty good crafty email. I wrote them an email and said, I'm really sorry. Uh, I signed up to your eHarmony last night. I was drunk. I had a fight with my girlfriend and I, um, she's furious and I need to get this off my um, credit card statements. Please help me out. And they said, no. <laughs> I said, but what about the cooling off? There's no cooling off period in Australia. I'm sorry. And, you know, that was all a bunch of, um, you know, uh, I don't drink and I don't have a girlfriend. So, you know, that was, I, was, I was lying, but I was lying to try and get out of it. And uh, they didn't shirk. They didn't budge. So I, out of stubbornness, I didn't open it for like six weeks. And then, you know, one night I think curiosity got the better of me. And I was like, I'll have a look. And um, I assure you, it's just like all the others. So um, if you're on the fence and you're wondering and you happen to be listening to this, don't do it. Anyway, I hope you enjoy my chat with Joy. I had a great day hanging out and talking with her. And I'll see you on the other side. It's interesting. Wow. Wait till you hear two hours of crap. A complete and total farfarama. But what I was thinking about when I was driving here was I loved thinking about your, what happened to you as a teenager and then what happened to the kids in South Africa and then what they... They had, they had contact. That's right. We didn't. There's none of our witnesses that have ever said that we saw extra, you know, little green men or, or whatever you want to call them. None of us have ever said that. No, but... It's not just that. Something must have been driving them. <laughs> Something must have been driving them. But uh, none of us have... Though it's quite possible that one of the girls that had fainted where they had fainted near one had actually landed, whether she saw something, we don't know. Or she disappeared, but that's another story. No, no, I, but do yep. you think, like, you know, what I found fascinating with that was the the, the message that they got, possibly, um, mm. what do you call that, telepathically, telepathy. mm. that was like, 
we are heading in a path of destruction. Destruction, yeah, got to look after the planet, yeah. And I re- that resonates with me. You know, that's along the ethos of what I, when I look at the way we're driving mm. the world. I mean, you don't have to be, an, uh, you don't have to be smart to a see that. A rocket scientist, that's right. Um, but for some reason, we are stuck on a train that seems like it's stuck on a track. And yet there's... Did you guys feel like there was, there was nothing like that that you were receiving? It was No, not at the time, though it's funny now because a lot of us would still have a very strong connection with, with each other. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Because of what happened. There's yeah. quite a few of us we meet up every few months or so for lunch and whatever else, and we live all over the place. Um, but we still have a – there's just a strong connection for some, you know, a hundred percent because of what we experienced. I mean, we've gone on one, you know, one of the Collins a plumber. Um, Lance is a, a truck driver. One of the girls was a nurse. I worked, you know, different jobs on and off. You know, we've all gone into different fields, but there's a connection. Yeah, and I can't break it. So, going back. Um, what was life like for you when you were a kid? What were some of the early What early was life memories? like when I was a kid? Well, yeah. we, I was a middle child, so I had an older sister. And you were the troublemaker? No, I wasn't. My, I was quite a plus child, my mother informs me. Okay. She, she's she quite, God rest her, she's gone now. But uh, she used to say to me later in life, Joy, you were such a placid child, I don't know what happened to you. <laughs> Well, you're just growing into your shoes as the middle child. That's right. I I said, Joy, it's because I was a middle child. I missed out on everything. So I had an older sister who was 18 months who was also there at Westall on the day. And I had a much younger brother that was seven years between my brother and myself. So he was sport rotten. He was the golden child, of course. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, being a boy in the last, whatever. So, look, we had a pretty normal life. Dad worked as... um, we lived in Springvale and we had a very good childhood where we would, in like it was in the, the 50s and the 60s. I was born in 53, so, you know, sort of later when I got a bit older, you know, we used to nick off, you know, we knew we had to be home when the streetlights came on or else we were in trouble. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We just went. We yeah. would jump on our bikes and we would go because it, it was semi-rural, so there was lots of, there was trees and stuff and we would go and play games and you know we throw pretend we we're having wars and all that sort of stuff and just yeah just normal kid stuff you know Is, just, isn't it wild when you think about like how you grew up outside running around no worries to how ch- children are raised oh, now these days you've got to watch them out of the back you know yeah. and they, everybody uh, yeah which is a bit sad i think we had no we look we had a fairly, fairly carefree childhood my parents did it tough like a lot of parents did in those days. They were married very young. Mum was only um, 19, 18, 19. Well, she had two of us by the time she was 21. Yeah. And then she had my brother when she was 28. So her and Dad had married quite young. And my, my father worked at um, government aircraft factories in Fisherman's Bend. And Mum had worked once uh, we got a bit older. She went and Jeffrey was at Kinder. She went back to work, but she used to work in a down in local um, Woolies store down in Springvale. She worked at Volkswagen in Clayton, and she worked in a bottle shop in Springvale too. So she busy. Yeah, she was. They were busy. Look, 
you know, we didn't have a lot of material things. We didn't even have the phone on. Yeah. Right? We didn't. My parents never got the telephone until my sister and I had both left home. Is that right? They didn't have it. And that's when... So your dad would just show up to work... Like just every day, go just to work. Sh- just show up, but yep. there was no like, you know, <laughs> how are we going to get him outside of hours? It's not. Didn't happening. happen in those days. So, so we didn't even have a phone on, and that was when the the UFO people, you know, the Vufos people came. They came to my house. We don't have no idea how they got our address. Because you didn't have a phone. Well, they no. probably yeah right. The, I love it. You know, I love this no phone ethos. No. I, I'm thinking we about had a going... Di- I remember we, we had a TV. Yeah. Mum, bought, mum bought a TV and she bought it on higher purchase and my father was furious. Point of contention there. Oh, dad, my dad would never buy anything if you couldn't pay cash for it. Yep. Right? That was the way... Because he was brought up in Collingwood. Yeah. Uh, family of five, very... Um, his father died before he was born. Um, very colourful character. That's another story. Um... And he was the youngest, so they did it tough. My dad used to, when he was a kid, run uh, bets for an SP bookie. For a what? An SP bookie. I don't even know. I know an what SP bookie book is. An SP is a legal bookie. Illegal? Or... He used to take bets. No, illegal. Okay, awesome. At the pub. What does SP stand for? Oh, I can't remember. But um, anyway, look it up. Yeah. SP bookie. And he used to take bets for this SP bookie down there. And he'd be down the alleyway taking bets. And then if the police came, they'd scream. And he'd run off with the money and go take it back to the... So, yeah. Awesome. And his brother went to war, though. Uncle George went to war. Which what? Uh, World War Two. Two, yeah. yeah, yeah, he was in the Second World War, so and his three sisters, um, Aunty Ali was um, contentious because she married a Chinese person, which way back in those days, yeah. he wasn't full Chinese, he was half Chinese, Uncle Ken, but yeah. she married a Chinese person. Aunty Edie was... Um, Good honour. Yeah. Aunty Edie was an, another, like, she was another one. She had... Um, she was a real party girl, Aunty Edie, and she used to go out with all the, all the sailors that used to come from the American sailors when they'd go on leave, and she'd go out with them because they'd buy them silk stockings and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> so she's got a story because she was married to uh, to a safeguard. It's a long story, but it, it was involved with Squizzy Taylor's gang and all, all sorts of stuff. So Squizzy Taylor? Mm-hmm. Yep, there's history. And my father's father, yeah. one of his brothers, was... The right-hand man to Peter Layla from Eureka Stockade. Is that Ask the Layla? No, no, Layla or Lawler, Peter Lawler. You know the up- yeah, Eureka yeah, yeah, Stockade uprising? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was involved with him. So the Eureka Stockade was when... That was the start of the unions, basically. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was an Irish man. As if... Um, Oh, what times, hey? Like, yeah. we are. It's just wild how different society is. What people stood up for. Yeah. How we lived. Well, see, that was like with us. So, anyway, we'll get into this. So, where do you so, want so, you to start? Well, um, do you do do you remember the day before? Yeah, the day before was just a normal school day. Just a normal school day. Got up, got dressed, had breakfast. I think mum had gone, yeah, mum had already gone to work. So Susie and I had dropped our brother around the kindergarten and then we walked through the paddock because it was paddocks. We used to walk through the paddocks past the across the railway line and to Westall because we lived in Springbok, but we lived 
in sort of up and Westall was only a new the high school was only a new school we we both went to Whiteside Primary School which is no longer there and we went to West to Westall High because it was a new school so and we walked across the paddock and we just walk across over the railway and we were at school so that that was just and we spent the day at school we yeah did normal stuff like we did and then uh, in the afternoon we'd have to come home and Jeff would be uh, I think he was looked after until we picked him up after school and then we would bring him home and then we would have to get the vegetables ready for dinner and bring the washing in and, you know, stuff like that. Chores. Yeah, chores. Yeah, and smack him around a bit. But <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm only kidding. But just um, until mum got home and then, then dad would arrive, you know, later on. See, we didn't even have a car until I was 11. Unreal. We used to go everywhere on the train and the train and the you know whatever because Nana and Pa lived in Ascot Vale, yeah. so we used to get the train from Springvale into you know into Richmond and then out to out to Ascot Vale. Yeah. I just love it. I love the I, you know I don't know why, but I romanticise about the slower paced life. It was no slower. See school, but school. See school was different too. School. I love school. Right, I absolutely loved going to school. We had so much fun. Yeah. It was just fun. So you're but a bit academic? No, not particularly. No, just like the no, game. No, but the, I, the I did. I did become a prefect and a house captain. Oh. The house captain gig I get. The prefect I don't. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. I really don't. So, so okay, let me ask you this. That so just before the day before, yep. in the day before. Now, as kids, you're saying you're always playing in the streets. Do you remember having conversations with your bro- sister, probably more than your younger brother yep. or anyone, about UFOs? No, no, no. So no. we're you just okay. So then, okay, you go to school on the day. Yep. And so it's obviously before nine o'clock and you're walking to school. Mm-hmm. How does this day roll out in your mind's eye? Just normal school day. Just roll up, go in the playground, see your friends, how you going, catch up, whatever else, ding, ding, ding. Oh, check the, you know, to see, what, go to your locker, put your bag away, see what we had on for the day, get the books out, you know, walk around to where you had to stand out you know, near the classroom and wait for the, the bell to go and then the teacher would come and off we'd go. Yeah. So, yeah. Normal, normal. That's right. And so then what time of the day, do you remember, like, what class, what you were yes, studying? Yes, I yeah. certainly do. I was in science class. Yeah. Yes, with Mr Greenwood and I was in science class and it was coming on to morning recess, which was about mm, 20 past 10. Yeah. And a student... Ran up, flung the door open, flung the door open, virtually flung the door open, and said, "Mr. Greenwood, Mr. Greenwood, there's flying saucers in the sky. There's, you know, there's UFOs. There's flying saucers in the sky." So some of the kids had run up and ran over to the window to have a look, and of course we all started laughing. You know, oh yeah, right, you know, like this. Did and you get a shock by the the abruptness of it? Oh yeah, because it was thinking, oh, you know, because we're yeah. all sitting there waiting for the bell to go, you yeah, know, yeah, so we yeah, can yeah. go to morning races. You get the little butterflies. Yeah, it's yeah, coming, yeah, so it's, it's coming. coming. <laughs> won't be long, won't be long. And then, uh, anyway, but he was a brilliant teacher. And then, uh, anyway, he said, it's all right, it's all right, just wait, just wait. And then, um, so the bell went. So he said, come on. So we go all go out the corridor. So you weren't allowed to run. So we're walking very fast down the corridor, out the bottom, out past the toilets, out onto the oval. And yes. There were flying saucers in the sky. Like, I can remember still, as clear as a bell, running out, standing there, and I was standing with a friend of mine, Suzanne, who we've had, we've been there back numerous times and had conversations about things. 
and um, looking and just standing there. I couldn't, don't remember any noise and apparently there was a lot of noise. My sister recalls the noise. Um, and just standing there looking at these things and thinking, no, I, I just wanted to... Block it get, out. No, no, I wanted to look at it because I wanted to take it in. Yeah. I wanted to take as much information as I could because I'd never seen anything like that before. And the way... Did they, you feel a little unhinged? No, I was no. excited. Yeah. See, I was excited. A lot of kids were frightened. Yeah. Some of them were frightened, were quite, you know, overawed by it all. And watching these things in the sky, you're thinking, oh, my God. And then, you know, there'd be... Yeah, so, so, so I can guess your perspective. How far away, roughly, like, were they, if you were looking at the size of your hand or, like, bigger than the size of, you know, like... They were visible to the naked eye. They yeah. were quite... They were big. Yeah. Right? They yeah. were visible to the naked eye, but the speed they moved was amazing because it'd be over there and next thing there'd be one over there and then there was one there and then it'd be up and then it'd be out and be side. Now, they were in the sky for about 20 minutes, how many do you think there was? Well, I think there was three, right? Yeah. I think there was three. Um, some people only saw one. Some people saw two. Some saw, you know, some didn't see any, but they saw the circles and things. So I think it just depended on where you were and obviously you, how much you perceived that you, what you were looking at. But, of course, they were up in the sky for quite a long time. And, and then the planes came... You see, we were very close to Moorabbin Airport. Yeah. Now, the planes came, and that was... Because they were over the... Oh, I forgot. They were over the pylons, too. We had huge, big... I'll show you later today. They had huge, big uh, electrical, you know, pylons. And one like, was hovering over the top of one of those. And then they were sort of just hovering around, hovering around, hovering. And then they went up. And then behind the trees in the Grange, which was the Grange, it was it's still partly there now. But in those days, it was it was virtually across the road from the school. Very, see, it was very rural. There was market gardens, there was bush, there was a big pine forest, there was an old house in there, right in the middle of it that we used to reckon was an old haunted house. Mm-hmm. But it was an old homestead apparently from way back when. You know, the people owned all the land and all that sort of stuff because that's all gone now but the the part of the grange is still there so the pine trees and that are still there which is very interesting and um anyway so we're watching these things and then they come back up and then next thing the planes came and there was about five light aircraft that flew like right? little Cessna sort of well, thing well they probably were yeah, yeah probably. but we were used to seeing planes because we were so close to Moorabbin airport yes. they would come all the time. We were, that was nothing new to us, mm-hmm. you know, to see the plane zooming around. So that's okay. And they come in, and anyway, these craft sort of hovering around, and they were playing games with them. It was amazing. It was just amazing. The, the plane would fly in like this and get close, and it would go straight up in the air, right? And then they'd have to turn right, come back, and then another one would come, and then they'd go over there and go over there and go over there. So in the end, they gave up. And then the, the, um, the saucers disappeared up over the back of the, the grange. They disappeared. Now, a lot of the kids at that stage who had been out on the oval doing sports and stuff had jumped the fence 
and took off after them because they disappeared behind the trees. I regret that I never did. I wish I had have, but I sort of got told, don't, you know, because yeah. you know, we just didn't. But anyway, they, you might I did see... Prefect. <laughs> no, maybe not. <laughs> I saw, and then um, anyway, they jumped up and went, you know, over to the where they'd come down over the back, and they, yeah, quite a few of the kids. And then, see, a few minutes after that, then um, after that, all yeah, a couple of minutes later, oh, to be longer than that it was probably another ten minutes. They came back up in the sky. They came back up again. Now, some of the kids had seen them on the ground in the Grange in different areas. I saw a circle later that day because my sister took me down. She said, we're going to have a look. She said, because she didn't see it. She was around the other side of school playing nipple. But she said, I know you've seen something. We're going down. I'm going to take, you know, we're going. So we went and we went just across the road from the primary school, just through a little gate into um, where there was gardens and grass quite high. And there were people in there. Right, but that was after the that was after the crafted that was later yeah, that afternoon. Yeah, this is after school. Now, the, when the cross, I've jumped the gun here. When the craft came back, they sort of hung around in the sky, and Suzanne and I have often had a discussion about. We thought the one in the middle was bigger than the other, small on the side, sort of, yes, you know. Yeah. And we think that is because it was closer. Yeah. So it's perspective, you see. Oh, yeah. But it, it rose up, right, rose up really quite fast, turned on its side, and as it's turned on its side, the sun hit the bottom of the disc, right, so you've got that mm. ray of light, and then they just all disappeared. They're just gone, just like that. Now, this is daylight, blue sky, no clouds. I mean, you know, it it fits all. Like, you know, I'm I'm no stranger to the, these people talking about yep. this because I too have had a experience yeah. not as uh, impactful as that one. But when um, you know you're listening to as we're talking about in the phenomenon, mm. the way they move. Oh, Even incredible! In, in jets. Never seen anything like it to this day. Never. Love to see it again, but never seen anything that could move as fast as they could. And so then they were gone. So, of course, there was people running everywhere and whatever else and whatever. So we sort of just wandered around. It was still recess time, so because recess was about half an hour or so. And what just sort of everybody's talking and whatever else. And apparently... Now, the kids that ran across to look, they were back... Uh, they were coming back. Okay, yeah. Yeah, they were coming back. So, and they came, so they come back. And then we, my next vivid most thing after that was we, I walked around, we walked around to the other side of school because all the kids were all talking about what they'd seen and blah, blah, blah. And then I'm hanging over the fence and we're watching, thinking, this is strange. Watch these jeeps roll up. All right? Mm-hmm. So army jeeps because they were green. They had tarpaulins. Yeah. They're all right. So, and across the road from the from the school was the used to be the Hume Pipe Factory. So they've pulled up on the on the nature strip, and they've got out the back of these jeeps yeah. or whatever they are, like in match with the things. Yeah, with the bars and yeah, the, the exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm hanging over the fence with the other kids watching this and thinking, oh, this is interesting. What's going on here? You know, we sort of 
right? And then they sort of stood around and talked. And that some of them were in camouflage gear, right? Mm. And some of them were just in the green, the green uniform. Yes. But apparently, in 1966, Australian soldiers did not wear camouflage, but the Americans did. And there was an American regiment posted in Melbourne somewhere at that stage. So that's okay. They're there, so they're having a chinwag and they think off. So that's all right. So then the bell goes and, of course, they're trying to get everybody back into school. Well, that didn't happen, did it? Everybody said, <laughs> <laughs> you know, some kids did, but some didn't. And then um, later on, so then later on, Mr. our principal calls a, an assembly Right. Now, Mr. Zambleby ruled with an iron fist, and I mean with an iron fist. In those days, if you even... See, that was one reason why I didn't jump the fence, because I would have gotten into trouble. Right. So, you know, I got... Well, you get the... Is it the strap back then? Was no, 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 not the strap. Detention. Detention, detention. Okay, yeah. But um, he... Because he was ex-army, so he ruled with an iron right, fist. So yeah. once you were at school, you were at school. You couldn't leave school unless you had a written note from your parents or there was, you know, whatever. So you got into trouble. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you did. Yeah. That was just the way it was. So he called an assembly and my great memories there too because there was a we used to have a, a quadrangle, right? So we'd all be in the quadrangle. He called an assembly and there was they used to stand in a there was sort of like a porch and a doorway now he was to the front and behind him were men in uniforms right now in in blue uniforms there were also men in black black suits right which sort of stuck out like whatever yeah and um, there was a couple of the teachers and whatever and he came out and told us that we weren't to say anything we were all massively hysterical. You hadn't seen anything. And, um, you know, you just, yeah, it was a weather balloon. Okay, so within within 20-odd minutes, we've got Air Force, probably, maybe, Army. Yeah. Definitely, as definitely. far as I'm Two concerned. Types, possibly. Um, a mini black. Yeah. Right. For a weather balloon? Yeah. Anyway, so that's fine. We do all that. So then, <laughs> anyway, some of the kids come running back from things and then there was an ambulance parked in the field, out in the sport oval. Now, one of the girls that had gone... Now, this is fact, too. Yeah. One of the girls that had gone, and my friend Terry, too, she got within touching distance. She went back into... I'll show you where her circle was yeah. later. Um, she took off because she was a bit of a rebel, jumped the fence and she ran in and she got close. Now, when she got close, there were three of them. There was Tanya, there was Jackie and there was Terry. Now, Tanya had run back past and Tanya and Terry were good friends and so was Jackie. But was it Jackie? No, it might have been someone else. It's all right. Terry had, was running in and, and Tanya was running back and she was hysterical. Right, and she just kept going. Terry went and it was on the ground in front of her, on the ground. She got to within, she could feel it. She said it was quite warm and it was making a noise. Anyway, and it took off over her head. So she went back to school and Tanya apparently had collapsed or something had happened. They called an ambulance. 
Now, she was a, a, uh, a Yugoslavian or something. We had a lot of refugee kids. There was a um, uh, the Enterprise Hostel used to be in Westall Road, which was where they brought in European um, immigrants, yeah. right? So we were used to having Germans and all sorts, you know, all white, white mm-hmm. you know. And um, anyway, she got taken away and... She never came back to school. So she she fainted. She something happened. Something happened. So they called an ambulance, yeah. and she got taken away, and she never came back to school. And her whole family. Terry went around the next day to the house, and she used to go there all the time. Yeah. The family weren't there anymore. They were gone. Well, well, I mean, I don't even know how to proceed from this little bit of information because. And that's true. Yeah, no, I get it. But, I mean, a weather balloon? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, so, so that's fine. So they're gone. And then the, the fire brigade had also rocked up too. Was there any resolve with that? There has been. But she apparently, she's been found. Mm. Uh, but she's apparently had um, some sort of mental issues or whatever else. And she won't, she doesn't want, she won't talk about it. Well, so. they, they say, like, extraordinary events can bring on, yeah. you know, all yeah. sorts Apparently, of... Apparently, Shane, you know, Shane Ryan that did... You, Shane was the investigator that started... This is how this has all come to light. Shane was a... Oh, sorry. Uh, is this the guy that I saw interviewed on the morning show on Channel 7 probably or something? Was. And yeah. he, he was doing... He's sort of got a bit receding hair. Yes. Like, yeah, well-spoken. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's how they all come about. Anyway, yeah. Shane has, has found out about... Um, Tanya, but anyway, that's okay. And then anyway, so we sort of, sort of went back to school, you know, normal for a while, and then hold on, hold on, I'm going to finish up on this day. So this day, oh, it hasn't finished yet. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. (laughs) So he's come out and said, "You're not to talk." No, 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 no. And if you do, you're going to get into trouble and blah 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 and all this sort of stuff. I thought, well, that's okay because. Moi and myself, about four other kids, had been interviewed by Channel 9 at the front of the school, hadn't we? Because the media had rocked up, hadn't they? <laughs> Not long after all this. So um, anyway, so I got interviewed out the front and I can always remember that's another thing that's very vivid in my memory. Some things are vague, but lot, some things are still as clear today as they were then, was... Um, the ple- I think he was a policeman because he, he had a you know the blue hat and whatever else and he come up to me and he put his hand on my left shoulder like this and he said you stop talking and all you stop talking you go back in the school back into the school because we're out the front of the school and he turned around and he said to the cameraman you stop filming and you go away right so I got detention for that <laughs> so, so did the others and now that was on the Channel 9 News that night because Susie, that was my sister, after we'd seen gone down to have a look at the circle. Yeah. So she'd gone that afternoon, she'd said, come on, we're looking. Now we'd gone not far into, you know, the grassy area, whatever else. Behind the and pines? No, we were further closer to the school. Yeah. Right? There, there were some witnesses have, have there were multiple circles because people saw them in difference, right? There were multiple circles. And we went into the, the, um, you know, snuck in through the market guns into the grass area and we could see see 
the men in there, like the army or whatever, they were doing something, they were digging and mm-hmm. whatever. And she said, mm. and she can recall the circle too because it was, you know, I mean, the grass was this high. So they're probably getting soil samples. Oh, and more than likely. Yeah. yeah. And then... Um, Anyway, she um, she said, oh, come on, come on, we're going to get into trouble. we better go home, we better go home. I said, oh, okay. So we went home. So, of course, she runs in there, Mum, Dad, Joel's going to be on the news. And what it was, it was on Channel 9 News. But, see, that film's gone missing. Isn't that wild? Mm. That film's gone missing. So that was never found. So... Basically, then I got detention the next day and so did other kids that had done, you know, the interview with me and some other kids because they wouldn't come back to school because they were off running around going crazy looking at whatever. And, um, and see, it was coming up to Easter break, you see. So we we were sort of all put the, you know, the, the clap, well, we just sort of, well, you know, whatever. We talked about it for a little while. And then, of course... I got visited at home by the the next day. So they rock up at home, mum and dad are there and all. And see, I was lucky because my parents were very supportive, right? My parents believed, because I think because my older sister was there too. Yeah, yeah. So they, they were very supportive. Some of the kids' parents didn't believe them. Oh, and, sure. And told them to just, you know, you're being stupid and da-da-da. Australia was pretty conservative in those... Absolutely. And it was the Cold War and all that sort of stuff and Vietnam and all sorts yeah. of things going on, you know. So... Tense um, time. Mm, it was very tense. And then... Um, Anyway, so they rocked up to the house and they sat at the table and they interviewed me and all that and then they took me down to take this photo. Um, so who took this photo? That, that Vuforce, these people. Oh, okay, yes, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, they took that photo, so... Um, so just so I'm painting a picture here, I've got a photo of Joy uh, taken in 1966 standing in the uh, one of the circles. Yep. Um, it was burnt out, burnt out. Because yeah. what happened after a few days after the sighting, they came and burnt the whole area. Oh, so you couldn't see the circle anymore? No, they slashed and burnt the Are whole you area. Kidding? Not just that one, they slashed. Everywhere. Yeah, yeah, everywhere. No, they came and slashed the whole area. So they, I'm not quite, I'm pretty sure too, and I think that's fact too, that they actually took one of the circles away on the back of a flatbed truck. Dug it, dug it out. Dug it out. Yeah. Yeah, and took it away. So, um, yeah. So, anyway, and then they came, and then they came back a second time, and I always remember it because it was an American man, it was Paul Norman, and it was a very glamorous blonde lady and another gentleman, and they got me to, you know, write what I said and ask me questions, and then they came back and, and asked me another thing. And then about... Six weeks after the event, my father, who had been working at government aircraft factories, and he was making Jindavix and Mirages, which were planes, you know, planes, fighter planes and stuff, in those days, came home from work. So does that mean he worked for the government? He He was military? No, government. Government, yeah. He came home from work, and he said, "Um, there's to be no more talk of the UFO. Wow. So I don't know whether he was trying to protect me. He was pretty stern. Oh, my dad was a pretty strict father, yeah. but he was a very loving man. Um, he was whether he was trying to protect me, or he'd been told to tell me to put the clappers on it, or to, for us to put the clappers yeah. on it. Right. So. Well, if they're burning, slashing ovals, and telling you know. Oh yeah. I know, oh, that's what I say. Men in black, 
Ambulance, Air Force, police. Really? For a weather balloon? I love it. Mm. That's amazing. And it's true. It happened. Look, I'm, I'm going to say, look. This, no, no. Yeah. That's, don't, don't have an issue. I, I've, over the years, have copped flack from people, you know, who've, who, of course, don't believe because they haven't seen it. And we had one teacher, right, who has come out over the years and said she, it was all a hoax. You know why? Because she didn't see it. So, and we, she came to one of the um, things they did not so long, or a year or two ago or whatever, and I said to her, I went up to her and I said to her, are you calling me a liar? <laughs> and she looked at me and I said, I'm not a kid anymore. You know, yeah. I know what we saw. And I said, and just because you didn't see it, it didn't happen. And what did she say? She didn't know what to say. Mm. And then I just walked away. But I have caught the flack. But my always say to people, and one guy I used to deal with through work when I was working, and he'd say, he'd always have a go. He was a young fella. He'd always have a go at me. And I'd say, oh, look, doesn't matter, mate. He said, oh, you know, that's garbage. It wouldn't happen, blah, blah, blah. You know, all this stuff. The government would have blown them up and da, da, da. Oh, you know. my God. You know, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. Anyway. I said to him one day, I said, I've got one question for you. And he said, yeah, what's that? And I said, well, I said, I, I don't have a problem with what, you know, your opinion, but I'll ask you one question. The question is, were you there? And he said, no. And I said, well, I was. End of story. Sorry. That's it. So in 1995, I was... I just finished school and I went over to Perth. I really wanted oh, to go. Oh, okay. I wanted to go and surf Margaret River in yeah, Western Australia. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. And I was staying with my cousin and doing some work for him. It was my first job out of school. Yep. And so he let me stay at his house in Perth in Mount Lawley. Right. At the time, I was sleeping in his front yard in a swag. Oh, okay. He gave me a bed inside, but I really enjoyed sleeping, sleeping outside. Sleeping outside. Yep, and yep. it was a nice lawn. And so each night I'd go out and throw my swag down on the, the yep. yard. Watch the stars. Exactly. And there was a fence that ran around. And on the other side of the fence across the street was a street light. And, you know, this was, I was in a routine of doing this. And one night I walked out and I was throwing the swag down. And in my periphery, I saw the street light. And I then, you know, it, like, I went, that's the street light. Well, what's that? And they were at the same height, at the same size. Mm. So, but that's, as you were saying before, perspective. Yeah. Like, so then I realized whatever that was, it was further away. Right. Um, but it was just sitting there. And I remember staring at it, just going, what am I looking at? And I was like... Know that feeling. That <laughs> is just sitting there. And it's like, you know, and I was like, it can't be. And before I thought it can't be again, it went away so quick in a straight line it just went gone and I was like I ran inside my cousin was in bed with his girlfriend and I burst in you know like and I know better than to do that you yeah, know yeah, yeah. and I was trying to explain to them what I'd just seen and he wasn't too happy with me but I will never forget that that and like you just said that happened yeah it's in look I it's I to, I say to people, you know, have you ever had a memory, you know, something that's happened in your lifetime that you can never forget? It's like women, you know, when you have your, your baby or you have, you have an experience. 9-11. 
Yeah, something that you can never, ever erase. Never. No matter how many years goes past. I mean, and it's 55 years next year. You know, 55 years. I can't get it out. I can't. And I don't let it rule me, but I can't get it out of my head. And yes, there are some things that are vague, but there are so many things that are still so familiar. And that's what I said. I think that's why we have the connection with the group that we have because of what we've experienced. And we all know what we experienced. We've all experienced it differently, but we've got a connection because of it. Well, if you think the universe in its vastness, infinity, with galaxies everywhere and oh, trillions of stars, we cannot and trillions be the of planets, only ones planets, in the universe. Suns, and we are the smartest thing getting around. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think we're the dumbest thing getting around Seemingly. just quietly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're yeah. fighting each other and yeah, we blow Earth. the world up, we pollute it, we kill each other, we do wonderful things. All in the name of whatever's. Yes. I know. So, you know, I, I 100% believe. And I, I love uh, the documentary that you put me on to, The Phenomenon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's good. Now, the message at the end of that, with the school children oh. being uh, telepathically communicated, like they all had the same experience that you did, but then they were left with a message. Yeah. Well, we may have been left with the message, but maybe we're not... Um, we're not open to it at the time No, much, I don't think... Or... Maybe not. Maybe not, because it may have been... that It was beyond our what we we hadn't been exposed to before. Now, kids these days, and of course even then, more with technology, more with mobile phones, more... Could you imagine if we'd all had mobile phones? It would have been on YouTube in five seconds, you know, in those days. I mean, one of the teachers did take photos, but they were confiscated. See, they took the camera and they took the film. So there was so much supposed cover-up. I... You know, I don't know whether it was because they were frightened of mass hysteria or they were, you know, what they were. were. But basically all of us that are witnesses, all we want really is for someone to say, oh, yes, it did happen. We know know it happened, but someone in power or the government or someone to come out and say this particular event happened on this particular day. Well, I'm not too sure that this sort of scenario and this story uh, helps the, the um, you know, GDP, you know, and consumerism <laughs> vibe that's happening at the moment that they want us to go to no, enjoy, you no, know. No. If everyone starts realising that there's more to the universe at play and possibly here on Earth, yeah. uh, people might not be so oh, materialistically well, think- driven. I don't know. Yeah. We don't know either. But it, look, it was just one of the most, like I said, the most amazing things that's ever happened to me in my life. And I really see it as a privilege, you know. I do. I see it as a privilege. Because oh, yeah. I, I was right time, right place, whatever, or right time, wrong place, whatever you want to say. But to be part of that is just... And look, it... It, it was quite funny when I first started going out with my husband. He just, you know, he 
Yeah, right. But then it So hold on, let's back this up. You told me that you met your husband where? At the pub. (laughs) (laughs) The Village Green Hotel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, in Glen Waverley. Yeah, yeah, Glen Waverley. So there you go. But um, So you were having a beer with your with to be husband. Did you did you lead with that one? No, 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 no. That came out later. I can't remember how it came about. But anyway, because my best girlfriend was there too. But see, she was funny. Unfortunately she passed away a couple of years ago. I miss her terribly. but she, um, she was terrified. She was frightened, and she wouldn't talk about it. Even later on, she she would she say little bits, but she wouldn't actually come out. She was she thought it was she was going to die. She was the end of the world, right? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. see, some yeah. kids Perception. I didn't. Yeah. Because I was I just thought it was well. This is a big event. What's going on here? You know, Terry was the same, the one that ran to try and touch it. She thought it was, she said, oh, I'm going to get into trouble anyway, so who cares, you know, so we're going to go and see <laughs> what's going on. Take me for a ride. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, look, yeah, it was just an amazing, it was an amazing day. But, of course, coming up to, I think, coming up to Easter and that, because we'd all been told to shut up, put the clappers on it, and, you know, so you sort of did what you were told, so, you know. We still talked about it, though. We had a school reunion. Oh, God, how long ago was that? many many years ago and it was the very first thing everybody said remember when remember when and so tell me so since uh you tell you said to me a while ago when we're chatting on the phone that sometimes you'll hear a click oh all the time that's still i there's two or three and i know it's really funny there's two or three that i would talk to you know even on on the mobiles or whatever and as soon as we mention westall sometimes more often than not, we get disconnected. And Colin, Colin especially, is fit to Col, and he says, oh, I'm waiting for it. He said, we're going to start. He said, then it comes this is out. the documentary filmmaker? No, 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 no. Just one of the other witnesses. Okay, yeah. yeah. That, that we see in our group that yeah. we sort of see, you know, whatever. And every time, and it's Susan, the other Susan, it's happened to me. She said, oh, my God. I said, yeah, I told you. Well, it just happens. It just seems to happen too regularly. We can be having just a normal conversation, but as soon as we start to mention anything about, oh, by the way, did you, you know, did you find that to do? You start to talk about it again and, you know, whatever. Yep. So it's really quite weird. (laughs) Oh, it's wonderful Um, and weird. Uh, So now this is in your life. This has brought um, some, you know, I... I found out because I watched the YouTube and I saw you on YouTube. Oh, now, God. Obviously. Um, I'm a legend in my lunchbox. That's right, Joy. <laughs> so this has had a profound effect on your life all the way through or maybe since the uh, fella started making the documentary. Probably just, look, I've been more open, I guess, to things um, through my life. But I think since it started to, somebody actually was interested in what we had to say because, I mean, and it was like some of my friends that, that I'd met sort of later in life, you know, because you never told me about that. <laughs> and I said, well, it's not every day you say, guess what? In 1966, I saw a UFO, you know. I said, it's not your everyday yeah. topic of conversation. And the military came and told us to shut, shut up. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, it's not your everyday. You never talk. Well, really? I said, well, you didn't tell me, you know, whatever. So, yeah, yeah. So we sort of squashed it for a while, but now it's out there. Look, and I'm I'm at the age too now. I really don't care. 
no. right, what anybody else thinks. As long as they don't harass me, you're entitled to your opinion. I don't give a damn, right? If that's your opinion, that's fine. But don't try and change my opinion of what I saw because my brain knows what I saw, you know? I can't change it and I don't want to change it. And, I, you know, I mean, I'm never going to change it. So regardless of what anyone else wants to try and tell me and try and convince me it was a weather balloon... Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> well, I just say, like, for anyone who, who like, you know, I, I, I'm... Com- have a look at the documentary, The Phenomenon. Yes. And I've watched a lot of these documentaries because I love them. Mm-hmm. And this one, for me... Well, that was... See, look, I've been really privileged because of what's happened. I've met some amazing people. Mm. Absolutely amazing people. You know, James Fox, the the producer of the the phenomenon. What a beautiful man he was. Ida Buttrose, or did a thing with um. Hold on, Ida. How how did this one happen? When that was? Oh, that's on. You can. It's on Google. Yeah. Um. Is she a nice lady? And a believer. Great. Beautiful woman. She actually flew down from Sydney to interview me, specifically in Channel 10, which is with Channel 10. And she, um, after it, she said to me, you know what? I said, what? She said, thank you so much. She said, I know that what you're telling me is the truth. She said, I know that what you're telling me is the truth. I have no doubt in my mind that what you're telling me. And she said, I have no doubt that it happened. I love Ida. She's gorgeous. Beautiful lady. Oh. And Barnsley wrote a song about it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, so, I mean, that's what I say. There's just a, a, a lot of different people that you've come in contact with because of, you know, just said, and Arch Barker, I told you about Arch, yeah. didn't I? Yeah. He was, he's a believer. Yep. Yeah. See, and Carrie B- Bickmore made a real joke of it on when they did his interview because he was working with her at the time on Channel 10 and they did a thing with him... Um, there and she tried to make she said oh you couldn't even get a you know a sourdough sandwich in 1966 in Clayton you know because of Monash Uni oh and all God. that stuff oh yeah it was just anyway didn't matter but he he's a believer he's a believer but well, he was lovely do you know the one did you have the Phoenix Lights yeah so the Phoenix Lights when, when in, in um, the, the state premier or whatever came out and at the end of the day on the news was making fun of That's everyone. That's right, and he'd actually seen it. And then he came out later and said, mm. I'm sorry. Yeah, because I actually did. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, it's amazing. I mean, I think one of the... Um, was it one of the guys that... Um, what the astronauts, when they came over Australia all those years ago and we had to turn all the lights on so they could see the outside of the... the what? I don't remember this. What happened? Oh, God, how long ago was that? Oh, God, I can't remember either. Anyway. Um, so Australia flicked on the lights for the astronauts. Mm, so they could see the outline of Australia. Oh, how cool. Yeah. This is... Well, you wouldn't need to do it today, would you? Because there's so much light pollution. Yeah, well, that's right. Yeah. But, yeah, he, he... That astronaut, I can't remember who he was now, but he apparently had seen something... Up, but it'd been told to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm you know, no doubt. I think a yeah. few of them have. Well, so did apparently during the war, like the airline, you know, the pilots saw things and stuff too. You know, so it's not just a, it's not a a um, unusual thing. Well, n- n- just regurgitating 
and someone else's story. But the, the, the guy that was in charge after 9-11 mm. of protecting Los Angeles in the F-18 uh, Air Force, he was the leader of the squadron that yeah. was holding the airspace. Yeah. He's now come out and talked about, I think he was in the phenomenon at the end, yeah. about his experience. Yeah. And the whole ship, a yeah. whole Navy ship, yeah. witnessed the same thing on radar. Well, and Mr Greenwood that was in the phenomenon, that was the science teacher. He, our science, my science teacher yeah. in the class, that's the first time he's ever come out and spoken about it. Because he was visited by the Air Force and told that if he spoke about it, that he would be charged under the Secrets Act and he would lose his job because he was an alcoholic. They would put it out there that he was an alcoholic and he would never teach again. And he was 21. He was, he was young. He was only 21, 21, 22 at the time. And he had never, ever spoken about it. He didn't show his face on camera, but he... He's, act- still, he's still concerned. Well, he... Suzanne, my friend, she did actually had spoken to him a few years ago on the phone and he told her that he wouldn't talk about it because he was... He now had grandchildren and yeah, whatever, yeah. so yeah. he was concerned. But James Fox asked myself and a couple of the others when they were doing the filming for the film to record a message for Mr Greenwood to see whether we could sway him into actually talking and yeah he did so he did so that was brilliant so it was good wow I mean uh, I love it good on James Fox because that is the most comprehensive body yeah, of work well, he, look it's funny how he got involved with that this was said he James Rigney is a friend of his and James is in um is involved with the VUFO or whatever it's called now. And um, James had sort of never heard anything, which that he hadn't even heard about James Fox, had not heard about Rural either until, you know, a few years ago either. Yeah. So, and he was very interested in, so he came out, of course. He was just blown away with us. He was just, he was like off his, you know, because everybody was just so, well, we're not babies, you see, we're not children, we're all mature adults, oh, well, you know, mature, (laughs) maybe. We're pretty mature adults, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) We try to be. Yeah, well, we're not doing Zumba Zumba classes. No, 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 (laughs) that's right, we're not doing Zumba classes, but yeah, but it's just, um, yeah, he was just said, obviously, it's quite amazing after all these years, and the Suzanne, even my friend, she had hypnotherapy. She she went to a hypnotherapist because she wanted to be taken back to the day. There were certain things in her mind that happened oh, quite a few years ago now, but she, there were certain things in her mind that she wanted to clarify and she needed to... Anyway, she went to a hypnotherapist who took her back to, you know, the day, if you believe in... Yeah, yeah, which yeah. I think is doesn't worry me. I always speak up, you know, I say to people, if you want to stand me in the corner, slap me with a dead fish. If it makes me feel better, go for it. (laughs) (laughs) No, don't have a problem. I'm a big believer in acupuncture. I love acupuncture for back problems and, you know, whatever else. But anyway, yeah, so she went and did that and it just helped clarify in her brain that she'd, you know, what she'd actually seen. So it helped? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Absolutely, without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. The, have you heard of um, Dr. Stephen Greer? Yeah, I think so. There's he's, a few things. There's a lot, so much. I've read a lot of stuff over the years and had a lot of stuff with stuff. In. He, he's brought to light, like, um, through... Uh, he's learned that if he goes to spe- certain spots in the desert with a group of people mm. and they uh, can sit in a circle and meditate and then telepathically they can 
like communicate reverse to what happened to the school kids in South Africa, they can pull them into there. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's a um, there's a doco on that called Cirrus. Oh, okay. I'll have to have a look at that. It's which yeah. global one too. Look, I said I'm a firm believer. You know, there's there's things that happen in the in the year. I'm a always been a plus for the minus person there's always a, a reason why things happen at the, this stage you don't know why but there's always a plus for the minus it's like even with my husband see my husband lost a leg in 1977 got crushed behind his truck and nearly died oh my god yeah so we'd, we'd moved up here in 1976 and then the following February on Valentine's Day, would you believe, he got crushed behind his truck and he was in the Alfred Hospital for months. And um, Oh, my God, Joy. Yeah, it was horrible. Yeah, it was awful. He um, it was he went to work because he, gar- he used to drive a garbage truck, yeah. right? He was a garbo. Yeah for Box Hill Council yeah. in the mornings and in the afternoon he paint he was a house painter with his mate his mate ran a painting but he used to go yeah. paint houses. So anyway, they'd gone to uh, this day, he'd um, it was payday, so he decided that they were going to. He got out of the truck to help the guys because they were going to go and have a can of lunch because they hadn't done it for ages. So they were going to go and have it anyway. A guy come round. It was near. Uh, it was in Riversdale Road, Waddle Park. A guy had come around from Warrigal Road, done a, a right turn into Riversdale Road. The truck was on the back part, over against you know the 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 curb, yeah. and Peter was up with his left leg up on the step and the right leg down and the guys come in and crushed him behind the truck and um, anyway they had one of the other guys on the truck luckily enough had enough brains he he broke a branch off the tree and started tourniquet to try and stop the bleeding uh, ambulance came from Box Hill Hospital couldn't do anything so they said bark like stringy Oh, no, no, he just used a branch to tie a a rag and, you know, sort of make a a proper tourniquet. So he did that. And then, anyway, the ambulance came and then they called for a micro-ambulance. Then the police came and the police actually drove the ambulance into the Alfred Hospital while the guys worked on Peter in the back. And then he was in theatre for nine hours. And I still remember to this day too, I'd heard it on the news and I thought, oh, Pete's around there today. I wonder if he's seen that. You know, it's been a bad accident. And I thought, not realising. Anyway, I was just getting ready to go to work and I opened, he'd get a knock on the door and I opened the front door and there were two police, a man and a lady standing at that door. Well, not that door, but standing there. And I just looked at them and I said, don't tell me he's dead. Just don't tell me he's dead and she said no he's not dead but he's very badly injured so and see we didn't even have the phone on in those days so I had to run across the road and I rang my dad and my dad I said Peterson you know he went straight into the Alfred and then um yeah he was in theatre for nine nine hours I had went to theatre what did you go to how many times did you go to theatre nine times no Nine, nine times? Yeah, nine times in three weeks. He had two amputations because they tried to save the leg. And they, he had his, um, they took things out of here. Uh, he had plates and all sorts of stuff. He had, between here and here, had about 14, oh, it was massive. And they um, took 
above below the knee and two days later they had to take above the knee but yeah and then this one yes <laughs> he had a rough time, oh I tell God. you. He had a rough yeah. time. He had to go back to theatre because they, it wasn't healing properly and they were going to, talking about taking that off. And I said to the surgeon, if you take that off, he'll die. And he said, no. He said, well, what are we going to do? We're going to re-break it and reset it. So they did that. And then when this one, and then, of course, he got gangrene and he got um, golden staph. So... I go into the hospital and here I am all of, what, 23 years old or something, sitting there with my... Because I used to go in every day after work. I worked in uh, Mount Waverley and I'd come from here to Mount Waverley to the Alfred home here. That's all I did for months. And then um, I can remember going in there and the doctor came in and sat down because and he said you know your husband's sick and I said yeah I know he's sick and I said how sick he said he's very sick and he said if his temperature's not down by the morning he'll be dead and got up and walked out it's the only time I've ever sworn at my father because I just sat there I didn't know whether I was going to cry whether I was going to laugh what I was going to do so I went and rang dad and I said and at that time my sister had um left her first husband and was back at home and um, I said to Dad, you've got to come and get me, I can't drive. I just can't drive. And luckily he said, why? And I said, because Peter's dying. He said, don't be stupid. And I said, you know, I swore at him and said, right? He said, oh, so he come and got me and took me. Anyway, he survived that and he survived that. So then he finally got better. Um, all started to recover and then we ended up at rehab. So he's immune and he's, everything's eventually got on top of the Yeah, yeah, eventually, was, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, well, you know, that was... He was in there for months and months and months. And then oh we... Um, then he went to rehab in uh, the rehab centre and they taught him how to walk and sort of patched him up, sent him home. And then he decided uh, that... He needed to go back to work. He didn't, uh, which went against us in the court case because he went back in the same year. So we had a massive court case, right, with the superannuation, uh, not super, with the um, workers' comp and because they, they were all insured by the same insurance companies. Mm-hmm. So we had a Supreme Court judge, jury, the whole box and dice, right, which was horrendous. Went to see a, had to see doctors and all this sort of stuff and da-da-da. And because we had no children, because I didn't leave him, because he'd gone back to work, da-da-da, that went right against us. Uh, anyway, they, they finally settled all that. Uh, we go to see this. This will make you laugh. No, it's not funny, though. We go and see the psychologist, psychiatrist, whatever, walk in Collins Street somewhere. We sit in there. He's in there. And he turns around and says to me, you're going to leave him now? He's not a whole man? What? Yep. What the... Mm. So, anyway, I'm sitting there. And I looked at this bloke and I turned around and I said to him, are you for real? I said, you are talking about my husband, right? You are talking about my husband. 
I don't have to take this bullshit and I'm not going to take this bullshit and I'm leaving. Good for you, Joy. Got up and walked out. How insulting was that? What up? Yeah, crocker shit. Yeah, honestly. It was awful. Anyway, so Peter went back to work and had to totally retrain, totally do whatever. He worked for 37 years, you know, good superintendent and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, did all that, went back to work. But the plus for the minus. Mm. After everything happened with him, then it was my turn and we were trying to have a baby. Now, I had a COP7 IUD, you know, intrauterine device, because I could, took the pill for a little while, but it didn't agree with me. So she's the, this new fandangled American thing. Use it for 12 months, you'll be right. Well, it stuffed up my whole inside, so... So made you infertile? Yes. Okay. So eventually what happened was, uh, long story short, it's a long story, but I ended up going, my son's one of the first IVF babies born in Australia. So, because he's 37 now, yeah. so, right, so um, I had, so the money we got, we paid the house off, we bought a new car, then everything went wrong with me. So we had five attempts had my first attempt. I had massive surgeries on and off over the years. Da da da. Right. Had five attempts at IVF. Finally got pregnant. Had twins. Lost one in utero at 34 weeks. Got my beautiful boy now, who is 37, yeah. who has given me a magnificent granddaughter. <laughs> so, but we wouldn't have been able to afford it. If we didn't have the compensation oh. money, we wouldn't have been able to afford it. Because then, I know it's expensive now, but then we could not claim anything. The only thing you could claim was your hospital. So I went to pay for all the uh, hormones, all that. And so I was having sometimes two of them, two, two of them a day injections. I just have to go from here into the old Queen Vic to have a blood test, yeah. then go from the old Queen Vic over to Epworth to have a hormone injection because they weren't allowed to give them to us in the same hospital. What? No, it's because it was all classed as experimental. And when my son was born, and people don't believe it, but it's true, yeah. he's biologically and genetically my, my husband's, but when he was born, he was... Classed, he had no legal rights in the state of Victoria because he was classed as a non-person as an experiment, and we were classed as his social parents. That's changed. That's all changed over the years. But see, plus for the minus, I wouldn't without yeah, the yeah. money. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. the worst part was, of course, losing his brother, and his brother was perfect. It just was one of those horrible things. I had a beautiful pregnancy. Everything was just wonderful. Just at the very last minute, for what it got, God knows. I don't know. God knows. But you know. I've got him, I'm, and it was really funny when I told him, that, when he, they told us he was, they were pregnant, well, I just burst into tears and he said to me, because they had a little bit of trouble too, because he actually said to me, Mum, he said, I might be the first IVF baby that's got to have IVF to have a baby. And I said, I really hope not, darling. I really hope not. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. If I could do it like everybody else, I would have, I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah. And then... Um, 
Anyway, so I started to cry and he said, I knew you'd cry. I said, yeah, well, think about it. I said, I never thought I'd have you, let alone have a grandchild, you know. I mean, really? And how old is your granddaughter? Five, going on six. She's the most divine creature. She is beautiful, oh, absolutely awesome. gorgeous. She's beautiful. She loves, oh, she's funny. And as my son says, she's got Nana's disease. I said, what do you mean? She likes a chat. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was hysterical. <laughs> she loves a chat. She likes a chat. That's good. That's good. <laughs> no, she's a divine little creature. Going to be a very tall little girl, though. Wow. Yeah, Joy. so it's been a journey. Yeah. Well, if you want to call it a journey, it's a story. But Life is. Everybody's got a story. Everybody's got a story to tell. And for whatever reason, and whatever mine has been because of my UFO experience, because of my IVF treatment, because of whatever... It's been given to me to to be part of my life, you know, if you believe in a supreme being or the whatever else, from, that's, there you go, that's for you. I love it. Yep, yep. Joy, I want to say thank you so much for coming into the horse's mouth and having a chat to me. You're welcome. Yeah, all right, here, shake my hand, we're allowed to do it now. Good. Good. <laughs> Well, there you have it. There was my chat with none other than Joy Clark. Now, how are you feeling about the universe? I mean, can can you honestly say and look out there into the infinity and say, we're alone? I don't think so. Um, you know, and, and, and I can't say a stress enough. There's a new doco out called The Phenomenon. It's um, It's on Apple. Type it in. It's in the documentary part. I watched it, and it is. It, I mean, it's undeniable. And you know, there, there's all sorts of things coming out at the moment. That you know, there. I think what was it? Uh, it was the CIA released something to the New York Times recently that said we have something not of this earth. I mean, you know, it's not pie in the sky, pardon the pun, kind of stuff anymore. And I think. Um, when you have a look at that doco and you have a look at the incident that happened in Africa and and really, you know, um, they're not here to, or they're not there, you know, to, to cause any harm. You know, I think, have a look, make up your own mind. You're all thoughtful people if you've come this far. And um, yeah, so... Thank you so much for sticking in there. Joy, thank you so much. I really, really, really had a great time. And um, and for the rest of you, uh, I hope this finds you smiling and, and well. So until next time, adios.